Living Corporate is brought to you by Textio. Today's top talent is everywhere, representing everyone. And our work environment should reflect the level of inclusion to meet that standard. Textio achieves this in building more equitable company cultures through the language we use in our job postings. That culture is formed one hire at a time, making the words we use to reach more diverse candidates all the more important. Our advanced language insights and employer brand content is what drives our mission of inclusion. Through our industry-leading application of artificial intelligence and machine learning, we're able to widen companies' reach in finding and building upon the very diverse talent that empowers a culture of belonging. Every door should be open to every qualified job seeker. Again, that's Textio. To me, respecting yourself is something that is a lifelong process and is something that you have got to determine for yourself that you're not going to give up on. And as you know, I'm thinking about like, you know, how I am working and talking through and living through not giving up and what does that look like in this moment and specifically what does that look like for white people when white people have had enough not giving up it looks like respecting yourself and that's what we're gonna get into today for me it has always been a matter of respect It's been a matter of respect. And first and foremost, you have to respect yourself. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to When White People Have Had Enough. This is actually episode 10. My name is Vonda Page and I am your host. My whole reason I am here, y'all, my whole reason I am here is because I am a mentor. In fact, I'm a radical results mentor. In fact, I am the CEO of Radical Change, a revolutionary coaching and consultancy that focuses on advice and guidance so you can grow and thrive. But, and however, also, Our underlying mission, the underlying reason that radical change exists is to alleviate anti-blackness. And I know that that has to be tackled in a whole lot of ways. And I'm using my gifts, my talents, my skills, my brilliance, my boldness, my badassery, as my mentor, Dr. Avis calls it, badassery, to um, do my thing, right? And my thing is to uh, really... um, drive radical change really get down to like okay what are these issues affecting us and let's talk about them right and let's really not just talk about them but let's be about them let's work on you know what do we need to do and how do we need to do it and so when I think about you know the last a couple episodes thinking about, you know, tenacity or not giving up or persistence. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, how did I get to be this person that doesn't give up? How did I get to be this person who is determined and, and, and dedicated to like literally seeing it through and fighting literally like, like y'all going to take me out of here before I give up on anything, whether it is giving up for myself you know, giving up on, on, on my own goals, giving up on my own dreams or giving up on, on, you know, helping my people, giving up on saving my daughter, helping her with her career or whatever it is. I'm not a person that gives up. And I think not even, I think I know for sure that respecting myself is a big, big part of why I don't give up on myself. 
And I'm going to tell you, not giving up is hard. Not giving up is hard. I think giving up is easy, right? And and I think the consequences, how you feel after you give up, that might be difficult. But not giving up is hard. It's hard to stick in there when things are hard. And, you know, when I think about my life and all of the challenges that I've made it through, all of the violence. So first and foremost, right, I'm a 53-year-old black woman. I grew up in Philadelphia. I grew up in an abusive household, physically, emotionally, psychologically. I grew up in America. So that means I grew up conditioned to believe that it's something wrong with black people, that there's something wrong with me, the way I talk, the way I walk. And so my family was a very... Um, white-centered family, even though my family is black, my family wanted to be as white as possible, to fly under the radar, to not make people mad, to, to you know, skip and grin as, as much as possible without having to skip and grin in front of white people and just, you know, suck it up. And so when I think about the adults that I grew up around who had, you know, good jobs, white collar jobs, knowledge worker type jobs, you know, jobs in medicine, accounting, you know, finance, uh, things like that. Right. And having jobs working in public works like, you know, for the city, the state or the federal government and, and having good jobs and wearing suits every day and seeming to, you know, kind of like today. Right. Forty years later. Seeming to say, okay, well, you know, I get to go home and live my life in the suburbs. My life is no different than white people. Well, no, that's not true because if your life was no different, you would be getting paid the same. If your life was no different, you'd be able to move into any neighborhood. If your life was no different, your neighborhood would look just like the white people's neighborhood. If your life was no different, then you'd have white barber, I mean, a black, uh, black, um, uh, grocery stores and black pharmacies and, uh, you know, black construction and black insurance and all these other companies, right, within neighborhoods and communities like you have in white communities. And so, right, we know that, uh, you know, the life of living and growing up while black and growing up while white are two different things. We know that those experiences, whether you are poor or not, whether you are disabled or not, whether you are queer or not, doesn't make a, makes a difference in terms of if you grow up black versus if you grow up anything else in this country. And I'm going to put it out there. It's not even just black and white. It's the adjacency to whiteness. It's the complicity, complicity to whiteness. It's the uh, you know, how much are you willing to sacrifice your own identity and adopt whiteness for the comfort of white people? And ultimately what you believe is your own survival, but what is really, you know, your own choices as to how you want to survive. And so there's always a choice that you have but for me, my choice has always been I have to respect myself. And so no matter how bad the consequences have always been for respecting myself, no matter how bad the punishment has always been and the backlash that I learned to respect myself. And I think not only this song, but, you know, Young, Gifted and Black. And, you know, there's just so many things I can think of, you know, from from my childhood that just was like, these songs are true. Because these black people are singing them and these black people are hanging in there and they believe it because somebody sung a song like this to them. Somebody prayed for them. Somebody put in this work and helped them to develop this hope 
that helped them to develop this faith, that helped them to develop this love for humanity, that they will pour out their soul for humanity in their art and bring it to the world and say, respect yourself, right? Because if no, if you don't respect yourself, nobody going to give a good cahoot. So when you relinquish your respect for yourself, that's why people don't respect you. That's why I think it's funny about how black women get treated into in, in our world, in our society, in our you know country, especially black women get treated like garbage and black women get treated like garbage. I think on one hand, because we respect ourselves and because people know that, you know, black women respect ourselves. And so they try to come up with all these narratives about why black women don't respect themselves. And they come up with these names and tropes, the welfare queen, the hoochie mama, the hood rat, all this and all that, blah, blah, blah. That's because black women respect ourselves. We respect ourselves enough that we're going to be who we are and we're going to deal with it, right? Now, those of us who don't respect ourselves are those of us who are trying to adopt uh, as much whiteness as possible so that we can avoid the punishment and the pain. Because I understand that. Now, I never did it for myself um, because it was the other pain was too worse for me because the cognitive dissonance for me, dissonance was too much for me because I'm a highly intellectual individual. For those of you who are listening to me for the first time, you know, I grew up in Philadelphia and I started reading the newspaper at age five, the Philadelphia Inquirer, the New York Times, the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times only on the only on Sunday, but the Bulletin and the Inquirer, Philadelphia Bulletin Inquirer every day. The Daily News was not considered a newspaper as far as my grandfather was concerned. Um, and I did the puzzles, uh, and I had to read the A, B, and C section, sports section. I didn't, you know, that really wasn't the section that I needed to read because we watched sports on the weekend, like live sports. Um, and so I didn't read that sports section in the newspaper. What I read was international news, national news, local news, crime, weather, business, uh, and um yeah and and commentary and opinion so that I could learn the difference between commentary and opinion uh and and news and so I say all that to say that I built a very deep intellectual capacity at a very early age which is probably you know uh Maybe it's unfamiliar to people. Maybe it's unfamiliar to people knowing black women with similar experiences as I. But I can tell you as a 53-year-old black woman who knows plenty of black women in their 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s um, and 70s that are uh, balling, that are badass, brilliant, bold black women doing the damn thing that have all kind of degrees. I mean, I have a master's degree and I know so many people that I call doctor now. I'm like, I love it. I'm like, I, I love it. Right. It's not making me want to go and <laughs> get a PhD because I don't feel like doing all that reading. Um, I, I want to talk and I want to share with people, right. The messages that are going to really support how we make a better world. And so, you know, when I think about respect and I think about this song uh, and I think about Aretha's song and I think about all of, you know, the messages around respect that I got at an early age, even though 
I wasn't being respected in my house. I saw black human beings being not respected by police. I've seen the most egregious things happen in person. I've seen horrible beatings uh, of people in my own family beat other people. I've seen, um, you know, weapons. I mean, I've seen horrible, horrible violence, right? And I made it through and I survived and, and respected myself enough to say, this is what I stand for. This is what I believe. And I respect myself enough, enough to fight for myself and to fight to the death if I have to, to keep myself alive and to, and to make sure that I'm going to live another day. So you know how they talk about your predator or your prey, right? Well, I'm predator from the standpoint that I'm taking care of my life. I'm not preying on other people and using and abusing people like the history that Europeans have uh, around the world, right? Of rape, pillaging and destroying every damn thing. Um, I am, am operating as prey in the sense of I respect myself enough not to be bamboozled, not to be abused to put to put up boundaries. And so one thing that I think as we move forward through like this, you know, tenacity track, right, of not giving up is respecting yourself. And what does that look like? When white people have had enough, right? You are going to respect yourself no matter what. You're going to respect yourself no matter who comes at you. And so let's talk about what does respecting yourself look like? Well, I think first and foremost, it looks like fighting for yourself, period. I think about fighting and getting in actual fistfights. I have been in a lot of fistfights and I'm not proud of it. But every now and then, people that knew me or have witnessed me in fistfights um, <laughs> will talk about it and be like, oh my God, I remember the time. And I'd be like, no. And then once they remind me of it specifically, I do remember it. And I think about every time, right? If what what I always remember is why the fight happened as opposed to the fight itself. And I remember it was because, oh, somebody pushed me. Or, you know, they um uh uh pulled my pants. I remember wearing a tracksuit and having my pants pulled, like like down my butt, like, you know. And I remember turning around, pushing a person, knocking them down on the ground and kicking them square in between their legs. Like, uh-uh, like with the, like a two-piece. Because like, you gonna pull my pants down? What the hell? I've seen other people get their pants pulled down and they just pull them back up and keep on walking. No, ma'am. No, sir. You are not going to disrespect me and not get something added. I think about there's um uh Delroy Lindo did a uh interview years ago with uh somebody a newscaster or, or, or some commentator or person and the person was asking him about saying the n-word and he said who said you can't use it who said you can't say it who said that you can't say the n-word okay you can say what you want to say but the consequences are going to vary depending on who you say it around. So the same person that thought they could pull my pants down without me, um, you know, fighting them, right? Uh, thought that they could do the same thing to me that they did to the other person because the other person didn't respect themselves enough to fight back. 
Now, I realize because I've been in therapy for years and years and years that there's different responses to trauma. There's different responses to to fear, right? Some people is fight, flight, fawn, and freeze, right? So fight is <laughs> dukes up, right? Flight is you run away, right? Fawn is you try to like be super uh delicate and like uh uh subservient and her- hoping that the person won't hurt you more, right? Um and freeze is like you just get stuck and you just like don't know what to do. Now I'm gonna tell you, I have responded in all four ways, depending on the type of trauma, right? So for example, in the workplace. I don't fight with my fists. I have never hit anybody in the workplace. And I almost got hit by two white men at work. That's a story for another day. But um, I've never hit anybody at work. I put my arms up to defend myself because somebody came at me. Um, But I've never had to fight and been in a physical altercation at work, even though I knew I was about to get hit a couple times Um, and choked. Uh, However... I know what it's like to freeze, right? Is when you are so stunned and you're so shocked that all you can do is just stand there or sit there or lie there or be there and just try to exist in the space, okay? Um, And that happens to a lot of people because they haven't been taught, right? How um, How to make that happen. And even if it's something that you haven't learned, right? It's something you can learn. But the thing to learn is that respecting yourself sometimes that's going to mean you have to fight you're going to have to fight for what you believe in you're going to have to fight for what's right and so today i think when white people have had enough you are going to respect yourself enough to figure out what you need to fight for and i'm not saying you got to fight for everything i'm not saying everything is worth a fight i ain't saying dukes up dukes up Listen, I tell people all the time, I'm from Philly, right? We got a bunch of funny things we used to say when I was a kid. My name is Millie. I'm from Philly, right? My name is Mess, Pess, Bess, right? Don't take no mess, right? Because it's a fighting kind of a thing, right? I mean, <laughs> Declaration of Independence, even though, you know, we know who it was for and all of that. But but the, the history and the culture of Philly is a fighting town. The culture of Philly is a freedom town, right? Not saying that it actually plays itself out like that, but that's the culture. That's the 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 the, the way it is. And so, you know, <laughs> I joke with one of my internet friends, we'd be like, Rocky is real, right? Um and and so that fighting and that thing where you like doom 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 where you know there's something in there. I'm just going to say when you respect yourself, you will fight. And fighting, I'm talking about fighting for being determined. I'm talking about fighting to not give up. I'm talking about fighting for what you believe is right. But I think first and foremost, right, is fighting for who you want to be. Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the person that gets bossed around by everybody that doesn't have any boundaries, that has to hold in your pain, that has to hold in your power, that has to, you know, only operate on privilege and only use that privilege to disadvantage people because people have black skin and because you hate your life and you hate your world, that's how you want other people to be? No. Respect yourself enough to love and care about yourself so much that you want to live in peace and you want to live in harmony and joy. And so to live in peace and harmony and joy, if you ask me what I think it takes, I think it takes three things. First and foremost, I think it takes 
stepping into the fight. I think it takes stepping into the fight. I think respecting yourself takes stepping into the fight. And I think stepping into the fight is three things. I think stepping into the fight is stepping in the fight to fight for who you want to be. Fight for who you want to be and what that actually looks like. If you are out here saying you are a good person, you are not racist. You do not hate black people. You do not believe that black people are beneath you. You do not believe that, uh, you know, um, children should be forced to have to have children and give birth if they don't want to. You can fight, right, for your beliefs from the standpoint of not having to put dukes up with anyone. That fighting for what you believe in and fighting for yourself, it starts with that look. And I told you about that before. And I really believe strongly, y'all, that the way to do it, the way to do any of this work is three things. Number one, you do this work personally. So when you're in examining who you want to be, you got to look deep down internally, personally into who you are and ask yourself personal and deep questions. You need to do that privately, meaning don't involve other people in your processing, right? Because you never know, first and foremost, what work they've done. And secondly, you have to understand that the way we treat each other, the way that we interact each other, it's all based on how we feel about ourselves. So when people respond to us, they're not responding based on us. They're responding based on they feel of how they feel about themselves. It's funny, right? I think about all the time people asking me, how do I feel and how do I, you know, how can I respond and act so nice or how can I be pleasant or how can I this? It's because I care about myself. I love myself. I don't need to stress myself out by being mad about stuff that is not important. Now, if somebody hurts me physically, uh, financially, I'm coming at them with the anger and the justification of my righteous indignation, right? If you're coming at me, um, emotionally, you can't really do anything to me. Because I have boundaries set up and I'm in spaces now where I'm not going to allow people to emotionally harm me. And psychologically, it goes together. I'm not in psychologically harmful spaces. And when I recognize those harmful spaces, I get out. So that's one of the reasons that I'm very careful about my social media interaction and how I choose to engage. And one of the reasons I'm excited to bring on a full-time, you know, um, social media manager um, in the fall, because then I don't have to worry about it at all. And I can just continue to thrive in such a way that, you know, will um, be amazing because my social media manager will be the moderator of all the nonsense. That way I can only engage with the people who I want to engage with, right? So think about the power there. But that is, right, me respecting myself, right? That is me fighting for myself, fighting to maintain the boundaries that I've decided that I'm going to put up, right? The boundaries that I have decided are important. And for me, fighting is good for the soul, and fighting is about respect for me, respect for how I want to live, respect for my environment, respect for my circle, and respect for the world, right? And so 
My advice today for white people, when you have had enough, you're going to respect yourself. You are going to not give up in respecting yourself. And that might mean fighting. Fighting's good for your soul. It's made me who I'm who I am, for sure. And I only fight for the good. I only fight for the right. I only fight when it's necessary, right? But by any means necessary, I'm going to fight for my freedom. Because as Asada Shakur said, right, it is our duty to fight for our freedom and it is our duty to win. We have nothing to lose but our chains. And so white people, when you have had enough, you're going to fight for your freedom and you're going to lose your chains and you're going to realize that we are bound in the same chains. We bound up. You just don't realize it because of the conditioning, because how we've all been conditioned, what we've all been bred to believe. It's all the same. It's just a matter of, did we have competing messages? Did we have competing voices, right? To drown out all of that. I fortunately did. I had amazing voices. I had the best of the best. I had bold, brilliant, badass black women teachers most of my public school career and part of my academic uh uh you know my higher education my um college undergraduate and graduate but i have the beauty and the blessing and the bounty and the absolute pleasure of having black women as my mentors in business in in um you know media in uh, all sorts of things. And I just couldn't be more happy about that. And I know that these women, these people with whom I've surrounded myself, um, I know that these people don't give up. I know that these people fight. And so I'm respecting myself by being around these people. So when I think about doing my work personally, privately, and professionally, you know, personally, hey, I dig in, I do my thing. Privately, I don't let my work impact anybody else, right? I don't put my garbage and nonsense on anybody, even my own daughter. And I uh, work professionally with counselors and mentors all the time. So, you know, hey, that is my recommendation. That's what I'm putting out here. That is what I want to encourage when white people have had enough, you're going to respect yourself and you're going to not give up on respecting yourself forever. Take care, y'all. Living Corporate is brought to you by Doximity. Doximity helps over 2 million medical professionals. We are the largest medical network that includes over 80% of physicians and over 50% of physician assistants and nurse practitioners. We don't take that responsibility lightly and commit it to working towards a more equitable world inside and beyond our virtual office walls. If you want to learn more about Doximity, check out your app store at D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y. That's D-O-X-I-M-I-T-Y.